What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what is the best way to do that than by the power of conversation? I am Mark Francis, and I'm in the host seat today. Our fearless host leader, Caleb Pearson, is out at a retreat doing camp with students, and we will give him a shout out. What is up, Caleb? But you are not here today. So we have the lovely Miss Alicia Vitalia with us again. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And today's flower is uh, the blazing star. And if you are watching, there is a bumblebee on the flower. The bees are crazy about is. that. So and you, that's once again, you took my... this picture. Yeah. You, yes. You were able yes. To, wow. Yeah, that's blooming in my yard right now. So, mm -hmm. amazing. Kind of cool. You just have a whole flower bed back there. I have a lot of flowers. Yes, I love. That's flowers. cool. Yeah. <laughs> And there's and a lot the, of weeds, but they're blurred. Oh, well, but that makes for a great picture. Right. You can blur out the weeds and show the beauty of the flower. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, once again with us, our Fellowship Bible Church Pastor of Biblical Education, Don Denhartog. How are you, Don? Doing well. Thank you. Good to be with you. And uh, sorry I don't have any lovely flowers behind me, but what I have is a messy bookshelf. I just, my administrative assistant just came in a little bit ago. She was on a Zoom class last night and she came in and, and said, I noticed that your books are a little bit uh, messy. You need a little tidying up back there. So she was going to come in and do that this morning. I said, listen, I'm on Zoom here. And just yeah. So, so. yeah. Instead of beautiful flowers, uh, you've got stacks of books and things that need to be uh, sharpened up. So anyway. Well, it's amazing. That's okay. You know, I mean, with, with the COVID shutdown and being you know in the, in our house for a long time my wife Erica chose one day when I was actually out of the house doing some just grocery shopping to completely just take out my entire house home office and everything was out of the office and all the bookshelves were empty and it, it took a couple days for me to recover but the beauty of it was she ended up aligning all my books and she color coated them so it looks like a rainbow in my office it's oh, very wow. amazing so you you have a standard that if you can have your assistant there don just you can ask for color coding of books <laughs> john morrison's uh libraries like that he had somebody i mean it's all perfectly organized so i uh mine's not i've got i don't even have them organized by topic i that's so, okay there it's a, That's a sign of a scholar that you're constantly oh, right. using them yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well you can see my background if anybody is watching again i i don't watch podcasts i listen to them so for those of you that are listening you just get this these stories but you can tell where i am alicia do you spot my background this is not a virtual background yes you are in our podcast booth oh yeah so this is at uh, the church this is just a nod to, to Caleb to say, yes, wish you were here. You know, get you back in the podcast seat. And uh, hopefully one of these days we'll be able to record actually here in the in the booth. And, uh, you know, but Zoom is actually working out very well. So we've gotten through a lot of the technical glitches, but one of these days we'll be able to get back together and regather even fully, you know. You know, just but but about that, I know there are some states that are going backwards. And have you guys heard kind of the, the latest, you know, just uh, 
I mean, I'll share from Fellowship Bible Church standpoint, we're still continuing forward with how our services are, are being gathered. Um, and we'll just kind of keep praying and hoping the state of Virginia keeps us where we are. But Alicia, you know, I, I did see you and your family on Saturday night. And yes. uh, is that the first time where you have been able to gather in person with your family? Yes, yes, yes. So how was we, that? Uh, it was great. It was great to be back. It was great to see everybody and just to worship together and hear the teaching of the word live. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really special. And I'm just so thankful. I was like, God blessed us with the perfect weather too. It was, it was not too hot. There was a nice light breeze. It was just perfect. <laughs> It was. Yeah. Don, what was your experience on Saturday night? I know last podcast, you kind of mentioned how you enjoyed outdoors and meeting that way. Yeah, I, I, I really think it's uh, fantastic. And I, I'm so glad we went back to it. It this particular Saturday night was really a beautiful weather wise. It's, it cooled down and there was a, a soft breeze and um, and there wasn't distracting noise. And it, it was really nice. Um, and again, the team did a fabulous job and doing all this work and setup and everything to do it. But it was, um, I like the setting. I think that another component um, on the evening service is that we don't, it's not as structured in terms of meeting the state's protocol in distancing and so forth and the ushering in and out um, right. is, is absent. So it, it facilitates a more informal fellowship context. Whereas uh, Sunday mornings, by following the protocol that we are to follow from the state mandates, you know, that can um, be a little bit mechanic, you know, in terms of getting people in and out. And it's not our fault. It's not our leader's fault. We're following um, what we've been um, instructed to do. But that outdoor service, just the informality of it, I think really facilitates a better fellowship. And you watch people and they're staying around. Yeah. Uh, chit-chatting afterwards and uh people aren't in a big rush to to exit and to leave and that is that is true and, and that goes to the purpose of even this whole sermon series not i mean a little bit of a segue but the, the idea of our, our church is called to gather our church is called yeah. to 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 meet and and i just really appreciate how our leadership has taken us down that path because i still know plenty of churches that aren't meeting that are not wow. gathering and and they're missing out and and it's something that I think uh, we're setting a, a model in the community, hopefully, to to have these varieties where we are outside and we are inside and we're doing it safely and, um, you know, with health and people's um, safety first, obviously, and, uh, and keeping that in mind. Yeah. I, I just really appreciate it. So, and there is a lot of work that goes into it, but it's, it's all for the glory of God and all for the benefit of the body. So yeah. that's, uh, that is key. Yeah, yeah the variety. The variety is necessary because people have different positions, and and uh, practices through this whole thing. And it, the, the fact that there is a, the indoor services that are available as well, uh, gives a broad sweep of being able to include, include the whole gamut in terms of how people want to practice, uh, in light yep. of that. Yeah. So. Well, well, diving in, just kind of to recap this sermon and also just where we are. Obviously, we're in the middle of a sermon series called The Church, God's Family in a Fallen World. And it, and it began with Mark Carey. He kind of gave a couple just overviews 
Um, John Morrison dove into Ephesians 4. We got into unity. Don, you, your first um, sermon was a couple weeks ago and, and the alert church. And then this past week was entitled the discerning church. So, I, you know, I'm curious of kind of where the word discerning came from in your, in your thoughts and in the process of kind of the, the context of this passage of really being others focused. And, and how, does, how does the word discerning play into the overall um, idea of the sermon? Yeah, good question, Mark. Um, the, the word discerning came about by, um, again, as the series was going to be planned, one of the passages that was suggested was James 2. And I, I've done a lot of work in James over the years. And so I decided to, to, um, to ask for that passage. Um, I think that the word discerning, and that was from, from me, um, came from the fact of we, uh, James 2 is about a wrong measurement of people. Uh, mm -hmm. The partiality that was being practiced that James addresses was due to the fact that they were sizing up people on the basis of externals, particularly um, wealth and, and uh, poverty and that type of thing. So James reminds them, you know, about the, the fact that you can't tell a, a book by its cover, um, that these people that are being in a way neglected and so forth, um, numbers of them are, are wealthy in the, in the sense in which God measures wealth. So I think that the word discerning comes from just being able to discern from behind the externals, what's, what's behind the externals by which we often measure people. And so that's, I chose the word discerning because it's uh, um, seeing, seeing more than what we see, so to speak. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. The, you, you did a good job kind of encapsulating what that looks like, but the word discerning really finally connected for me at the end of your sermon when you talked about Patty and that person that you saw and then she saw a second time, you know, a couple of weeks later and how, you know, you initially just kind of took notice of the outward appearance. But then when she saw and interacted with that person, she was able to, uh, with her discerning heart, see, see their need and who they are as an individual. Um, and so that really sums up that we really need eyes to be able to see Oh, did we lose her? Yeah, she's locked up there. Locked up. So yeah, we had eyes to, to really see people, I think was where she was going, to see people from how God sees them, right? And not how the world would see people. You know, right. it, it, it's, it's funny because I have almost a similar story of your story where this is years ago, I, I lived in a different town and was downtown with the, the youth pastor who I was serving with, and we were just having lunch, and, and a guy just walked right by us and walked outside, and I was just thinking to myself, oh, that's just some random kid, you know, and he had this reaction that was just like your wife's, where he said, man, I just wonder if that kid knows God, and, and, and just, and, 
and I'm, I'm very young. I mean, I, I've been a believer for a while, but I just never had had that perspective. And to hear it from this youth pastor who I was serving with, to, to verbalize that, what he was really thinking, and for me to hear his heart to say, he saw every kid around us because he was a youth pastor and he cared about that kid. And that was a teaching moment to me. And I'm sitting there in a Taco Bell, I think is where we were just looking around. I'm just out for myself, you know, thinking about, okay, what am I going to eat the next day and this and that. And, and he was just saying, you know, does that kid know God? <laughs> and, and to have a heart for a loss, really, I think to see people, how Jesus saw people and he wove in those, those stories of how Jesus saw people, it's, it's, it's such a high standard and such a high bar that, that we have that call. Um, And so I I appreciate, like Alicia was saying, how your wife had that perspective and and how you're able to share that. Her life always makes a great sermon. (laughs) 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 I didn't have her, but what I do for illustrations. Yes. Yeah, and and also the the, the idea that you, that this the discerning concept didn't really come up until the end. You know, looking back to the beginning, your call was almost well, well. We have to actually take things from our head and our hearts and actually put them into action, and that's part of James as well. And just your story of starting out as just a person throwing in a starfish to save a starfish, and and he's doing something one starfish at a time, not creating an organization or not setting up this kind of this, you know, group of people and being a part of an organization to say, yeah, I feel special because I'm doing something like that, but actually physically doing something. Speak to that aspect, Don, because I mean, our our church, you know, we want to be a church that serves and that gives and that cares and does things. But, you know, how can we take it to the next level to actually be the hands and feet of Christ? Yeah, I think we have to ask God to open our eyes to opportunities because they're all around us, but we don't see them. You know, lift up your eyes to the harvest, Jesus said, meaning that the harvest is there. You have to have open uh, eyes opened to be able to see what's what's there. And usually it's much closer to us than what we ever thought. It might be a next door neighbor. It might be someone um, that we work with, whatever be the case. But I think that what I sought to bring out and what I personally believe is, is just personal involvement in the lives of people versus um, it's not wrong to be a part of a cause, but I think if we limited our involvement through causes or organizations or through just financial contributions, that kind of thing, it can lose the, um, we're not really grabbing what is being spoken there. I, you know, um, you know, I'd like to give a little bit of an analogy related to financial giving. Um, when God calls us to give financially to his work, it's not because he needs the money. It's because giving is good for us, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, it's what it does for us is it releases our affection for money and being generous with it. And uh, so his call to give is beneficial to us. Equally true is our involvement in people's lives personally is good for us, not only for the person that we're seeking to minister to or to help. Um, at the end of the last phrase in James 127, pure and undefiled religion to visit orphans and widows in their distress, 
most of the English versions say, and to keep yourself unstained from the world. <clears throat> the word and is not in the Greek text. And the last phrase is actually a participle. It's called a participle of result. What it means is as we minister to people in their need, um, whether it's poverty or whether it's um, other kinds of needs, it, he says, it has a result of keeping us unstained from the world. It keeps our perspective right. It keeps us, um, it keeps us more eternally focused. And um, so I think personal involvement, we have, it, no two are going to be alike. Um, I gave a few examples of people from our church, uh, and there's hundreds of examples from people in our church. They don't, we don't even know about most of them. But they're, right. they're plugged into somebody's life uh, to to come alongside of them, to assist them in life, and um, that personal involvement. That's a whole different category than it is to be part of something that's a, a, a um, what would I call it, just a, a layer back or, or just a step back of being personal. Yeah, which is, I mean... The first, the first Timothy passage um, that you brought to light too, um, for those who are rich, is as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. So our hope, our hope is in God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and to be ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And for me, um, my husband and I had that experience of someone who poured into our lives uh, as a young married couple, and they were so generous. I, uh, they provided a job for me as a, a nanny, and they paid me way too much money for that job, and they uh, provided uh, jobs around the house for my husband to do so that we could earn extra money, and, um, and with their generosity, and uh, because God had blessed them abundantly they shared that abundance with us but um more importantly they sowed into our lives and discipled us and through those years we had so much growth in our doctrine our theology and just uh pursuing the lord and knowing him in a deeper way and it was so tangible because these people cared enough to um, take time out of their life to pour into ours. And we forever are indebted to them for that. And so for, for us, we really have been able to experience that true life because of um, how God used them providentially in our lives. And I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah, yeah that's great. So Don, just back to James real quick. I'm just curious, kind of the, the share the context. I mean, is this to the church that the call is to to display this kind of love and care to others within the church, or is it out of the church and the unbelievers? Yeah. What? Well, let me tell you how I did that in the sermon. Uh, the te the text is dealing within the church. You know, right. that when that poor person comes in who doesn't have the appearance of having anything to offer um, that they can be 
in a sense, shunned or kind of neglected or whatever be the case. And so he's addressing believers with the believers. The principle that I see in that, that's, that's a, a larger principle, is to um, measure other people through divine eyes, through God's eyes. So the examples I gave, some of them referred to believers and some of them referred to unbelievers. So you have the Samaritan woman with the five times divorced. She's an unbeliever at the time, but she becomes a believer at that time. The woman that was considered a Gentile dog, you know, she's the one that says even the dogs will pick up the crumbs from the table. Then Jesus commends her faith and says, I haven't seen faith that great in all of Israel. So there you got a believer. Zacchaeus um, actually becomes a believer. But he also repents from his sin at the same time. He wants to repay people that he stole money from. So there you kind of got a mixed bag. You got both the, mm -hmm. the unbelieving aspect and the believing aspect. The woman that, um, that snuck up behind Jesus to touch his garment, um, with, who had the flow of blood, apparently she believed. Um, she knew that he could, she, he could heal her. And, um, and there was a, uh, your faith has made you well, he says. So apparently she had pre-exist, I mean, faith prior to the actual miracle. So you have both. And that was the idea of the sermon, that we that take a larger principle and see people as God sees them. Yeah. And it's so. interesting, our community group last night. So Alicia and I are in the same community group. So whenever you're part of our podcast, you're going to get some of the inside tracks on some of the things we chat about the night before we do this podcast. But we, we talked about how it is challenging in that discernment, for example, that we always have to have each and every day of how can we be the hands and feet of Christ? You know, we can't just give money to every homeless person we see in the street. We can't just feed, you know, every person who is poor. We can't just help every person in, in need. And, and look at what Jesus did. I mean, he had the ability of, of helping everyone, but there's specific times, specific areas where he did that and use his discernment to, to do that for a greater purpose. And, and I think that that was a relief because you can, you can really feel the, the guilt piling on potentially of, Oh, I'm not doing enough yeah. or, or, you know, or what, you know, or maybe judging others that they're not doing enough. And so how can there be this discernment when to speak, when to be quiet, when to give, when not to give, you know, when to go somewhere, when to stay home. Um, and so having those stories of what Jesus did, I think, is a great tool to say, this is how he did it. And we can kind of model that as well. Well, you bring up a real good point, though, because uh, anything you can go into a ditch and get into a guilt complex that God's not intended. I mean, we can't we can't minister to everybody all the time. And if we think we can and, we, and then we realize we can't. Um, and I don't have an easy answer to um, how we determine what we should or should not be involved in and when i say should not not necessarily because it's bad it's just that we can't do we can't do everything right um, and i think it you know i i think it does boil down that in our personal walk with christ that we you know we um we can have i know this sounds very subjective but we we can have a sense um, you know, it's, my father-in-law is a very godly man. In fact, he's such a gracious man. That's why my wife gets what she does from him. Um, that's how he sees people. And 
he once said, if it's not light, it's not right. And meaning if it's going to be like John says in first John, his commands are not burdensome. And when something becomes a burden, then we need to take a second look and say, it, you know, maybe I'm not, if it, if it becomes guilt motivated and burdensome, we better take a, another look that we may be attributing God's calling to uh, that it's really not. On the other hand, we can have a sensitivity to, to in our walk with God, a sensitivity to his spirit in where he would have us plug into an individual and mm -hmm. whether even to hand a person a $10 bill or or whether it's to be involved with them um, on a weekly or even daily basis for years, you know, uh, God has to, we have to ask him for his discernment in those yeah. things. Yeah. Otherwise you're, you make a valid and very good point. Otherwise it can be, uh, we can be living life under a pile that God's not intended for us to live. Definitely not right. intended. And, and go ahead, Alicia. Oh, I just, I just think that keeping in step with the spirit and really um, trusting God to bring you into those circumstances and introducing you to those people and um, just in whatever it is, if you're at work or if you're a stay-at-home mom or you're um, sick in the hospital, where, wherever you're at, there, God is always working and he's always introducing um, situations and people in our lives and um, just being in step with the spirit he is so kind to lead us into relationships and uh, something that we talked about last night sometimes even um, we need discernment when maybe we are extending um, generosity to someone or pursuing someone in a certain way uh, and they they don't want that and so sometimes we need discernment to say okay and just step back and respecting um, respecting them in that way as well so it can go yeah. both ways yeah definitely no I'm glad we're touching on this because honestly I mean whenever a sermon comes each and every week there can be a lot of different practical applications and here in our podcast chat, we get a chance to flush out some of the practical real life applications and what it really looks like and means. And the things that I really try to flush out is, well, how do we do that? And, and what we're saying is we're walking by the spirit. And then why are we to do that? You know, and so you don't want to have improper motivations because something else that you can look at is the world. Unbelievers are out there attempting to do a lot of the same stuff that this passage is calling us to do, you know, feed the poor and serve the needy and 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 so but the call of our why are we doing this and i don't know if you guys had any thoughts on on that as well just as a believer what makes us different than the world attempting to do these things one one comment i have on that is just the fact that oftentimes felt needs or physical needs um are an avenue to bring christ to people um you know, it's like, uh, let me give get back to that woman that had the, uh, the, you know, that snuck up behind him and touched his cloak. Her need was greater than her physical problem. He healed that. But he, he then called her daughter and ministered to her heart. You know, and that was in a context where everybody was watching a very concerned daddy for his 12-year-old girl um, who Jesus, you know, raised from the dead. And... This woman, it's no coincidence that her 
ailment had lasted 12 years. That's in the text. It's the comparison that's being made between the two. And Jesus was taking the place of a loving father uh, for this woman who had been neglected and so forth. So there again, ministering to a physical need, but went in to meet a deeper need. And I yeah. think that's one of the things that we do is that that's different. We're more than just feeding people or clothing people or housing them. Mm-hmm. We are, we are, these are avenues by which we are moving into their lives for needs that are greater than they even see. You know, John Morrison will tell you that counseling is a, it's a tool of evangelism and discipleship. You know, mm-hmm. people come in for counseling based upon, you know, maybe a marital conflict or something with their kids or whatever. And he seeks to address them, but it's an avenue by which he gets into the, he has the opportunity to move in deeper into their lives to issues that they did not come in for, but are really more source issues Mm -hmm. of discipleship for believers or unbelieving people that need to come to faith. That's a great example. It goes hand in hand. I mean, because you can, you can have, evangelists go out into the depths of Africa and just preach the gospel to people and pound them in their head, but yet they have no running water. (laughs) Or so it goes hand in hand where you have to, it's both the physical and the spiritual needs of people. Exactly. I know that my first inclination in situations is to walk in and judge. And I, that's exactly what we're being addressed about is our, our judgments here. And, um, 213b says mercy triumphs over judgment and so just um mercy is god's heart you know and the judging is that's his that's his business and for us you know to realize that at the foot of the cross we're all equal we all have the you know we're equal in our worth we're equal in our need we all need a savior and jesus showed us mercy and sending his son for us. And that's something that we didn't deserve. Um, and so in walking into situations of judgment and be, you know, whatever that may look like, m- mercy triumphs over judgment. Um, and just remembering that that is God's heart and his desire for us is to show mercy to, to others. Yeah, I love it. I mean, in a song we sang, his mercy is more And you know, words like that can stick in your head during the course of the week and remind you of, yeah. <laughs> of, of the gospel. I was just going to say, I've been singing mercy is more ever since Sunday in my head. There you go. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, that's great. It, it, you know, you, you might not know every single word of every verse, but there's something, there's a hook and there's something that's reminding yeah. of us. Yeah. And again, to me, that's the purpose of our gatherings as well is just to, redirect us reorient us back to that gospel message so when we lose sight we've got some sort of tool to bring us back i want to if i can if i'm taking too much time here you tell me please please feel free to let me know we got to bring her down closer down here but yeah i want to say with you mark on um on those of you that are on the creative arts and and uh, planning the services and so forth <clears throat> that music is a form of art and i believe that art is meant whether it's painting sculpture music poetry whatever be the case any form of art is meant to connect what we know with what we feel i think sometimes we underplay in our western society underplay the power of emotion right story is art 
and the music even if the music has lyrics that are has theology that we've known for years and years singing it connects connects its our knowledge of it with our being able to feel it yep. feel that theology and knowing that theology are both important and i think we too many times we think that if we know the theology then that's the we've we've crossed the finish line we've arrived but I really believe God wants us to feel theology as well. And music yeah. is what bridges that. Yeah. Well, you can, I mean, I've heard tons of analogies with different conferences I've been to, but you can, you can internalize and read God's word or next level. You can actually re read it out loud and hear it being said, or you can sing it and sing God's word, or then you can put music to it and it adds emotion and depth. And then the next level is you can do that with, hundreds of other people with the music and the depth and emotion and hear everybody else. So there's these, not, not that just reading on your own is bad, but there's the layer of the emotion that can help yeah. really internalize it and allow you to kind of really experience something unique that God only created for us. And, and it's, it's special. And the angels in heaven are doing it. You know, the world around us, um, the whole at large global church is doing it. And, um, yeah, what a great. It's yeah. it's, a, it's, a holistic, it's a holistic uh, picture of a, our heart and our mind being connected, and then it out as an outpouring of that. Our you know the the spirit moves. It's just so neat um, to see how God designed us in that way. Churches yep. that do uh, the singing time as a body as just preliminary to a sermon are usually dead churches. Because intellectual intellectual um, uh, accumulation is uh, fine, but it leads to deadness um, yeah. when it's not connected with practice and the sense of um, our whole being in that in those truths. And and music is equally as important in our gathering as yep. a team. Well, you can get me started, and this can go on for another hour. Yeah, so I uh, get that. No, it's great. But Don, I know that you have another sermon coming up this this week, and yeah. it sounds like you're probably not going to be with us for the next week's podcast. So give us just give us kind of a little taster of what that looks like, and any kind of preliminary thoughts on what to expect sure. for this coming week. Sure, uh, Psalm 133. It's just three verses, and it's filled with some beautiful imagery, utilizing the anointing oil of Aaron and also the the dew from Mount Hermon. And I'll be explaining the imagery of those two and how they pertain to unity. As we've been talking about emotion here, that's what the Psalm is about, is sensing the emotional pleasantness of, of oneness and unity. And um, I think it's, I was thinking about it this morning because I, I was listening to, a, I'd listened to a podcast called The World and Everything in It. Les Sillers is uh, one of the speakers on it, on today's episode from our mm -hmm. church. But anyway, um, they were addressing um, the, the rise in the COVID and California basically shutting down yesterday again, um, right. including worship services and so forth. Mark Carey and I met yesterday early in the morning. We uh, touched base. We haven't seen each other for a while. He's been on vacation. And I, I shared with him that, you know, I think that COVID is, um, regardless of what one thinks about the virus and about the mandates and all this and that, 
it is impacting believers gathering together and it's um it's eroding it it's slowly eroding it i'm afraid in our country and we're not immune to that and i hope that the message this week will just be another added um impetus or um another added motivation amongst the others that not just sermons, but other people that are addressing this issue of our, of, of the just the sheer joy of what the unity experienced is when people are in oneness and how much it takes the sting out of life. You gather together with unified, unified people. Um, it just is a renewing, refreshing, and that uh, experience, and that's what the psalmist means with the dew of Mount Hermon and the, uh, the anointing oil of Aaron was highly perfumed. The fragrance of it just permeated the congregation. And uh, that's what the imagery is about, so. Yeah, that's uh, great. And it's got, this will be the final sermon of this sermon series. So it'd be great to kind of wrap it up and really come full circle about being unified as we gather and but unified just together to bring god glory as well yeah. like i think what mark was sharing in the very beginning so yeah. i'm excited about that and i'll, I'll tell you i mean talk, side note our worship planning team we've always loved to be creative and we're brainstorming how can we spray perfume on everybody to get the imagery and, and the smell <laughs> of, of aaron's beard but I don't know. Stay tuned for that. I don't think that can actually happen. But you can do those scented, do. the scented filters that can go in the air conditioning system. Yeah. And is it, I don't know for the outside service. You have to get something really strong. But. <laughs> really strong. The, <laughs> really Rose, strong. Rose had an idea for the kids. The kids have something that actually is going to be something. All, I won't spill the. So there you go. That, yeah, well, stay tuned for that and, and come on this weekend services and see what, what you can experience and smell in the worship time. So, well, thank you guys so much for being here today. And again, just continue to interact with us, um, going to our website, fbcva.life, to learn all about where we are at, at church and interacting with us with these podcasts. And uh, just again, the fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant to take just an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. So. Until next week, much love. God bless.